The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Here we are again. Welcome back to Afternoons with Mike on the Shepherd Radio Network. With me on the line, a dear friend for many, many years. It's over 30. Holy cow. Chuck Williams used to be Chaplain Chuck uh, back in the day when you were a chaplain. And now here you are. You're back. You've uh, been going through your doctorate. Welcome back to my program. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate you taking the time and inviting me to come on. You know, Chuck, the last time I believe you and I talked, uh, I'm not sure you were uh, in the middle of, uh, still there in um, Edinburgh, but uh, you were there studying uh, in Scotland for your your doctorate degree, and then COVID. We had a long uh, chat uh, and a program yeah. on the COVID, and that seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? It does. It does. We had to leave Edinburgh because of the COVID situation. And, you know, over there, they just shut everything down. So uh, my research came to a, st- a standstill. So we were able to move back to our home here in North Carolina and complete the studies. And um, but, you know, that it was just about maybe a year and a half ago. But it seems like years ago. It does. And, uh, and it feels it, that uh, 2020 year itself felt like five years. It's just was terrible. I'm so grateful we are where we are. But you did, you completed, and now you're in that process. You know, I don't know that everyone realizes just exactly how much work, how much time, how much, uh, I guess you could just say that steady plotting that goes into getting a doctorate degree uh, in just about any field of study, but it's true also for theology. But you're almost there. You're in the dissertation stage. Actually, we handed in the dissertation, uh, completed with all corrections and everything about two months ago. So um, I actually can come out of my house now every now and then. <laughs> um, but um, And actually, we just got notified uh, last week that I will be defending it through Zoom uh, on July 28th. So I will be able to stay here and my examiners will be in Scotland. Uh, one's from the University of Edinburgh, one's from the University of St. Andrews. Uh, he's an Edwards scholar. And uh, that'll be it. It'll probably be a, a two-hour uh, uh, grilling to see if I really know my stuff. And um, and we're just hoping for a, a, a good you know, acceptance and an, an approval for it. But uh, but the dissertation is done. It's completed. It's handed in. And we just have to wait until the uh, examination takes place. We intend to go back in, uh, I think it's late November, December for the graduation. But whenever you pass your examination, your defense, um, that's when your official, um, you know, your Ph.D. Uh, is is uh, is certified. So. Wow. The dissertation process is in itself like a, it's almost like a work. It's a volume that you put out. And uh, what was your particular angle of study in your dissertation? Uh, My dissertation was on the image of God in the theology of Jonathan Edwards. So Edwards has been a huge uh, influence for me over the years since I first uh, studied 
at RTS, uh, R.C. Sproul was a person who uh, personally introduced me to Edwards. And uh, just over the past 30 years, Edwards' works have always been an, an abiding influence in, in uh, my theology, the formation of my theology. Mm. So, um, but the image of God is, I actually found one thing, uh, which, you know, your PhD has to be something original. Uh, I actually found something that a person has not written on <laughs> regarding Edwards. Uh, wow. There's been a few works. There's been a few works of people who have uh, talked about the image of God, but not a solid uh, one continuous volume where the image of God is the central focus throughout the entire work. What did you find yourself getting most enthralled about in this study, Chuck? Uh, I, I think the one thing that really uh, helped me in my personal theology is in the field of eschatology. And this is where Edwards, uh, many of the other reformers too, even going back to Augustine, you know, um, in our eschatology, we have a sense of that, you know, as Christians uh, who, uh, you know, our sins have been forgiven, we, we're united with Christ. At the, when the saints die, they, en they enter what they call the state of glorification. And, um, we always tend to think that this glorification is like, okay, we have like arrived, you know, we, we are perfected. We have no longer, the sin has been per, uh, completely eradicated. We are, you know, made holy and complete in every way. But what the reformers did, and of course, Edwards uh, focused on this quite a bit, is that we're not done yet. Um, it's almost like a we're completed, but not yet. We continue to grow in our holiness through our union with God in heaven. We are made, and this comes from Second Peter um, uh, chapter one. Um, I believe it's chapter one. We are made partakers of His divine nature. Mm -hmm. uh, Sinclair Ferguson even wrote something about this in the introduction to his book, A Heart for God. That while we are in heaven. We will continue to grow in our knowledge of who God is. And mm -hmm. because he is eternal, we will never arrive. But we will be there for eternity, and we will continue to grow. And being made a partaker of his divine nature, um, we will grow in every facet of, of Christ's divinity, except we will not become God. You know, we, we don't grow into being, becoming God ourselves. But his divine nature, not his divine essence. Um, big difference there. <laughs> What's that? I said there's a big difference there. Oh, a huge difference. And, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, and unfortunately, you know, uh, this this is a field that's starting to open up, and there's already been several people who have written uh, things about, um, you know, do, do we really become God-like or you know, are we deified? And of course, you know, Edwards and others make it very clear, no, we don't become gods, but we are united to his divine nature, not his divine yeah. essence. Yeah. And, uh, but the, the point is that we continually and progressively grow in, by the influence of that union with him in our divine nature. I like that picture of unfolding. There is a, a, a sense that every day, as it were, if we 
mark a day in heaven. There's not going to be night. So we, it's just going to be very strange. But all throughout all the ages, we will continue to have his glory unfolded. The, majestic, the, the majesty of his character will be better known, as you said. It will be made more clear and we'll see more fully throughout eternity that really is a mind-boggling reality that we will never see the all in all of god not completely yeah that's correct that's correct i mean you know he's infinite he's eternal we are not we never will be uh but we will continue to grow in uh his holiness we will continue to grow uh yeah of course without any sin you know Mm -hmm. and uh, but it, it is a progressive state of glorification. And uh, that really just changed my uh, view of eschatology, the end times, as well as what heaven is going to be like. And Edwards was um, really a a deep influence in changing my theology there during my studies. Mm. Now, Chuck, we kind of alluded this earlier. You spent a number of years in the Army as a chaplain and I know that you had, uh, prior to that, gone through all of the uh, training that you did at RTS. You mentioned R.C. Sproul. What a wonderful man of God was he. And I had a chance to take a class under him. And you and I, had a, we took a course together, I remember this, with Richard Pratt. And what a hoot that yeah. was, wasn't it? Yes, yes, it was. Uh, Richard reminded me of a drill sergeant. You took his like introduction to theological studies when I went first went to basic training uh, in 1981, long, long time ago. Um, you know, the drill sergeant just basically broke you down psychologically, <laughs> mentally, in, in order to build you back up. You know, just take away all your preconceived notions of what you think a soldier is. And Richard did that in that first course. It was just he just break you down. You know, many. Guys come, he's absolutely right. You know, Richard was right. Many people come to seminary thinking they've already got half their seminary degree before the first class. You know, mm-hmm. that's <laughs> they right. They got it all. They know it all. <laughs> My goodness. He is such a fun guy. He was up here, Chuck, about two or three months ago. I had a chance to have him on my program. He came up. Uh, and another name that I interviewed about a year and a half ago or so, you would love, I'm sure, Luter Whitlock was here. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I, I love Luther. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he was, he such, was, a, he was such a gentleman. Yes, he is He is a statesman uh, for sure for the, 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 you know, the Christian faith, and um, his influence is worldwide, really. It really is. And starting off uh, the whole campus at RTS, moving down from Jackson, being uh, having the vision to see the Orlando campus grow to what it is now. Uh, you were there during a fun season, and I know you worked uh, just really hard, not only in your studies, but you also served that institution as well, working in the bookstore and uh, hanging around books. And that's what I think. I remember back the fun times we've had of talking over the stuff, man. Uh, you have always been a, a an ardent student. So I'm really glad that you're kind of coming to the end of this whole uh, doctorate study, get your PhD, and uh, you're almost there. How many more weeks, months, days until uh, that should come? Well, uh, July 28th. Uh, July 28th, uh, I will be examined uh, from distance, and uh, that'll be about a two-hour 
uh, examination and uh, defense. And once we're complete, once, you know, they say, okay, you know, you're good and uh, you, you successfully completed this and you successfully uh, defended it, then for all intents and purposes, uh, that, that is the capstone right there. That is where you're an official PhD. Um, the, um, going back to Scotland in November, December to graduate is just, you know, the kind of the formality and fun. Uh, and fun icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope things have freed up there from the standpoint of the pandemic. Uh, my contacts back there, I keep, uh, we, we've built really great friendships through the two years that we were there, and, and they say it has. Uh, there are still struggles. Um, you know, Scotland is pretty much the most socialistic uh, of, the, of the four nations of the British uh, Empire. You have, you know, Northern Ireland, uh, Wales, England, and Scotland. And, and they were, you know, in, in, in my view, uh, pretty draconian in their lockdowns. And um, yeah. Uh, there was a period where even Amazon couldn't deliver books from me, you know, and wow. of course the libraries were shut down. So, And when you're it, studying it, like you are, that having access to that library is a big part about being on campus. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. And the library was only a, a mile. We lived downtown in a flat, and the, the library was, you know, right there. You know, just one mile up the road and, uh, and you know, spent many, many hours in the, in the library there. So... Uh, as you can imagine, but I also brought a lot of books with me, and I bought a lot of books. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprised at that, man. Not surprised. That's exciting. Uh, really great. Now, part of what we'll uh, cover in our second segment, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give you the opportunity to share some pretty exciting news about uh, your life and, of course, that of your dear wife, who I had the privilege of working alongside for many years. She was our one of our administrative assistants at the church, and uh, that's Celia. And uh, Celia is you and Celia. Are, you've got some big, exciting news. Tell us about it. We do. Uh, this is a true Moses and Zipporah type situation. <laughs> um, the Lord has surprised us once again, and we'll talk about this later. We're going to go plant a church. Wow. And not just anywhere. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna be planning in Pasco County, Florida, just north. That's the county just north of Tampa Bay. Oh man, that is so exciting! So you are moving back to the great free state, as it's known, of Florida. Now, man, that, that couldn't be more exciting. It is. It is. We we are very excited. You know, it, it was always home for us. So yeah. I, that's where I met so, you know, at the front pew at Metro Life Church, and uh, we were married uh, there with you guys. And uh, so much of our early history, the first uh, 17 years of our marriage, were was there. Yes. Or 15 years. Uh, you know, uh, so we always considered Florida a special Orlando home. And actually, our first week of our honeymoon was in the Clearwater, Tampa Bay area. And Isn't so, that something? Yeah. Uh, we— we we just we we were excited to come back. You know, Pasco County. I I had to do my research because I'm not that familiar. Haven't spent as much time there as even in St. Pete because of just going camping and things like that. We've gone to St. Pete a number of times, but Pasco County. It's one of those beautiful areas. Lots of greenery, lots of uh, reserves, 
And it is a beautiful place, and yet it's not a place that is overrun, and that's what you found, right? Not overrun with churches and available places to go for someone who is really wanting that kind of a a church that has a a Reformed doctrine basis and one that is uh, really preaching the Word from that standpoint. There's not a lot of them there. No, there, there isn't. I mean, you have a lot of your older denominations, um, but the church that we're going to be planning belongs with the PCA, Presbyterian Church of America. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we would consider your um, um, your your, your uh, churches, that your Presbyterian churches that are faithful to the Scriptures, uh, the Reformed Presbyterian view, confessional— uh, there's a group of 13 churches called NAPARC, uh, North American Presbyterian uh, Churches. And, you know, they're all over the place. You know, uh, Orthodox Presbyterian Church, uh, Associated Reformed Presbyterian Church, uh, many of them in the northern area as well. What we found in Pasco County is there was not one NAPARC church. Wow. Not one. Wow. Um, there, there was a smaller PCA church. Actually, at one time, it was very large. And just uh, regrettably, over the past like 15 years, it has uh, just dissolved basically. And just recently, the the, the church is is no more. Um, so you know there was a an influence in the PCA there, but it, it it's gone. And what really astounded me, um, a friend of mine uh, called me up. Lad, this has been going on for a year for this church planning. He called me up and he said, hey, I thought there was a, a church here, PCA church. And we looked and we found out what was happening. And it was just – and we looked at other churches and we really – we couldn't find one. I think there was a very small Reformed Baptist church, but uh, a lot of independent churches, uh, a couple very large. There was a very large Baptist church, but we did not find uh, a, a solid Reformed uh, Presbyterian confessional church. Um, in all of Pasco County, which to me, with a with a with a population that unofficially has just cracked six hundred thousand people, uh, I found that astounding. I, I really did. That is right. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, if show me another harvest field that is this white, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, the growth there is is going to be absolutely tremendous. It already is. It already is. But uh, the county is already looking at that this uh, rate of growth will continue into 2035, in which case it'll be over a million people. People are moving uh, right down now. from the north, man. They're, they're finding our prices down here a lot less expensive than what they're used to. Hey, we're up against a break. We'll be back in a moment with my guest Chuck Williams right here on Afternoons with Mike. My guest today is Chuck Williams, planning a church in Pasco County. So exciting to hear about that, Chuck and Celia, longtime friends. You know, there's a lot going on with a lot of people moving down to Florida. It's it's kind of funny, two of the guys uh, who are realtors and and, and work in title, they said it's really unique that how uh, the people coming down from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, all the northeastern states are really settling in the east coast of Florida. Those that are coming down to the West Coast, particularly Pasco County, um, are coming down from the Midwest, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Kansas. uh, You know, uh, a lot of people, a lot of that is politically driven, culturally driven. They're just tired of the nonsense they're finding up north. 
Uh, Pasco County is also increasing in a big way with retired military um, and, and government workers, a lot of that coming up from Tampa because Tampa is now uh, pretty congested and everything. They're continuing to build roads there. Uh, Celia and I were down there, I think, about uh, seven months ago, and we noticed that on some of the state roads going through Pasco County, they were not expanding from two-lane to four-lane. They are expanding from two-lane to six-lane. Mm. Um, it, it's just uh, – Pasco County is right now, I think, the, the – I think I have this right, the 11th largest county in the state of Florida, the 10th fastest growing. Um, but it's about to surpass Brevard County as far as population. I think Brevard County is 604,000. Um, there are tremendous things that are coming into Pasco County. Uh, a lot of people can look this stuff up. Uh, I think the major operations of um, – Raymond James is moving uh, to Pasco County. They're going to keep their headquarters in St. Pete. Uh, Moffitt Cancer uh, Hospital is currently building a, I think it's a 1.1 or 1.2 million square foot facility. It's going to be the second largest Moffitt Cancer Hospital in the nation. Um, you also have uh, Amazon and uh, Target are building major distribution centers. Uh, again, I mean, just the thing that astounds us, even with the realtor we're working with, and we see it on Zillow, these houses that come on the market, it's like even if Celia and I said, oh, hey, look at that. That's a great-looking house. Two, three days later, it already has a pending offer. Oh, yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Sometimes in one day. Yeah. In one day. In one day, yeah. it's, it's the growth is astounding, and it's going to continue. Uh, again, we're talking for the next 13 years. And so, you know, I think one of the things that uh, Celia and I, and I think a lot of Americans are in the daily news, is littered with a myriad of reports of how churches of all kinds are abandoning their commitment to the truth of God's Word. And, and instead, they are seeking cultural accommodations. Um, the church attendance keeps sliding downward. I, I grieve over this, and I know you do, and many other uh, Christians do as well. Uh, but here the Lord is calling us to be faithful to his scriptures and to proclaim his word, mm -hmm. uh, seeking to glorify God in everything. And so that's why that's the heartbeat, that's the central vision of this church, is that we want to center um, this church and its ministries on the proclamation of the person of Christ and his gospel for the salvation of all mankind. Um, our, our vision for the church is simply to proclaim and worship Christ and him alone and him crucified for the glory of the triune God, the purity of the church, and the witness of his salvation for all mankind. Uh, really, I mean, that's just basically simple. Um, we, we actually have a, a fourfold line of effort to use military talk. Uh, first, we're going to go plant a church, establish a church, and build a church. Uh, then a couple, a couple other lines of effort. The second one is we're going to be intentional about evangelism. Mm -hmm. We're going to be intentional about sharing the gospel, uh, both as uh, you know our lifestyle, but also looking for opportunities uh, in, in the community. Third, we're going to find those lost sheep. Uh, especially with the former PCA church that was there over the 15 years. Um, what happened to those sheep? This church was, uh, according to the elders who used to be there, uh, it numbered about 500 at one point, which is an extremely large PCA church. Uh, 
where did those people go? You know, I, I, I have a passion to bring those people back into the fold, bring them back to good pastures. We'll, we, can, we will feed them God's word, uh, equip them, help them to grow, mature in their faith so that they can then follow the Lord in their calling uh, and service to him. And then the long-term plan is that possibly in three to five years, uh, we hope for this church to then start planning churches throughout Pasco County, mm. uh, planning up in uh, Spring Hill or Zephyr Hills, and they, maybe even close to Brooksville. Um, uh, there is so many people there. And by the time we even do that five years from now, you know, I'm just estimating, we're probably looking at 800,000 people in Pasco County. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got, you got towns down by uh, Newport Ritchie, uh, Homosassa Springs. I mean, it's growing by leaps and bounds. And yet, surprisingly, Pasco County has a lot of wildlife areas, too, a lot of green areas. Uh, I, I was kind of surprised by that. I don't see Pasco County becoming congested um, as as Tampa is, but you know, and again, remember, it's the tenth or eleventh largest county in the state of Florida out of mm-hmm. sixty seven counties. So there's room to grow. Uh, but uh, again, what I see is that the Lord is wanting to start a new work. This is His church. These are His sinners to save, and these are His people to call to come home. Uh, what I want to make sure that we do with this church is that we do not seek cultural accommodation. We do not water down the gospel of Jesus Christ. We stay true and and firm in our commitment to the truth of God's word in preaching and teaching. We're going to be a confessional church. One of the the marks of this church is that what we call in Presbyterian circles is an ordinary means of grace, meaning those things uh, we will practice all the time, like um, worship in our worship services. We're, we're going to practice the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. every week. The Lord's Supper is a means of grace. Um, one of the things I've learned in, in uh, being a senior minister in some of the Army chapels is uh, we we also want to have family worship. Uh, that is something that I feel is lost in many churches. Uh, look, ch- our children, our 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 covenantal children learn. Uh, they, they listen in the congregation, you know. Uh, they need to be a part of that worship. They're, you know, we'll have nursery in case those who want to do that. But we want to make sure that when families come to worship, the children are included. You know, right. um, uh, someone had recently said, and I can't think of who, but, you know, the children, their feet may not touch the ground, but they're being influenced by the preaching of God's Word in their life. And you know, they're growing up seeing their mom and dad worship, too. Exactly. Exactly. There, there was a funny story um, I have, and this was in our church here in Fayetteville, uh, PCA Church. Um, but the, the the pastor was preaching um, about, you know, God sending this prophet to go ahead and confront this person. You know, it, and it basically was, the story was on Nathan and David. Um, and there was this little boy, and I think his name was Evan. Um, and Evan was right across the pew from me, and he was he, he brought his little green army man. You know, <laughs> this is a military town, so he's sitting on the pew and he's kind of handling his little green army man. And you know, 
uh, we're just listening to the sermon, and when the preacher talked, uh, read the scripture about how Nathan came to confront David, just all of a sudden, that little boy just out loud said, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and half the congregation that heard it just busted out laughter. But what I took from that was, he is listening. Mm-hmm. He is listening to the Word of God that is being preached. Oh, and yeah. he understands. Uh, that's why I want family worship to be central to our, our worship time as a congregation. Oh, that's great. That reminds me, Chuck, of an old story I heard about a dad who picked up his uh, child who was really being kind of rebellious and noisy and interruptive, and he was carrying him out of the congregation quietly when suddenly the little kid looked back at the congregation and said, you all pray for me, okay? <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to, I think I'm about to get corrected here. So my goodness, that is right. Kids need to grow up with a an environment of seeing their mom and dad first and foremost. I think that's one of the main problems I've heard from so many people lately that a lot of the problems that our our nation is facing right now is because of the lack of a father's influence in their lives. Oh, yeah. The lack of a family cohesive unit. And we're becoming this weird, if you listen to the what the people are saying in, in the media, man, we're, we're becoming this weird uh, group that we, we don't even know whether, we can't even define what a woman is. I mean, that the, the fact that we have a justice now in the Supreme Court that couldn't answer a definition question as to what a woman is, that just goes to show why we need churches that are preaching the gospel and are exposing families to a godly mom, a godly dad, who are going to be worshiping the Lord and doing that, modeling it, not not uh, doing it for show, but modeling it from reality uh, right in front of these kids. That's going to make a difference in them. It, it, it is, Mike. But, you know, when I, when I, I was actually watching that um, um, thing, and, and, you know, when they were interviewing her, um, you know, I took notice that when she said, I'm not a biologist, I can't tell you what a woman yeah. is, you know, in, a, in an ironic way, she pointed to biology as telling us how we define a man and a woman. Isn't that something? Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think she realized what she said. Yeah. It's so, you know? uh, so foolish, really foolish. I, I mean, th- if there's ever a crazy thing that was ever captured for the whole world to see. I believe it was that one. And in some ways, I don't think this lady's ever going to be able to escape that. No, no. I, I, I think there is too much to compromise her uh, judicial impartiality. But, you know, here we are. We are called, we are being called by Christ. And, you know, Mike, what astounded me was, you know, when my friend, we couldn't find a church, my friend, going back to that, and this was last October, he, uh, I was just more like of the attitude of, well, do the best you can. <laughs> I'm up here in North Carolina. and uh, Wish I could and, help. Yeah, wish I could help. Keep warm, be fed. And he called me back two weeks later, and he, you know, gruff voice, but he was just like, hey, I got a better idea. And this is exactly what he said. Get your butt down here and plant us a church. And I was like, and I told him, I, I said, like, dude, you're smoking crack. I'm 58 years old. Okay. Um 
but it was one of those things where the Lord said, so use someone to say something that the Lord's not letting you forget. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking into the demographics and the churches in the area and what's happening. And, uh, and I, the Lord just lit a fire. Uh, one of one of the fires was I, I always joke when I go to the like church planting seminars. I said this is probably the the one church plant that uh, was initially motivated out of anger because I I was upset that uh, we we did have a church there that just completely folded and I'm like how can you let hundreds of God's sheep let loose throughout the county? Mm-hmm. I mean who knows what they're being taught? Who knows what they're being influenced? So from that, I was just like, you know what? That's going to be one of my core things. If the Lord is calling us to plant a church, we're going to go find God's lost sheep, and we're going to bring them back. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, if they're committed someplace, that's fine. But if they're not, uh, we're, going to, we're going to find a place where they can enjoy and be a part of a Christ-centered worship uh, expressed through the regular devotion to those ordinary means of grace. That's going to be our highest priority. Uh, we're going to proclaim God's word and the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching and public witness. Um, we're going to be pursuing to building up and equipping every believer, again, through the teaching of the scriptures, through prayer, through fellowship. Uh, we're going to devote ourselves uh, to the grace-empowered uh, pursuit of holiness in our maturity and equipping of the saints for their uh, their works of service, You know, building up God's body in unity and faith and love for one another. Um, that these are all the things that you know any person who's been even a uh an average studier of the scriptures will say yes of course that that's what we should have been all along mm-hmm. but again um even in the PCA we have some struggles uh we we have uh, quite a few pastors unfortunately but we are we are starting to win some votes to to turn this, the the denomination in a way back to biblical faithfulness but you know, there's a lot of guys out there in the pulpit who are seeking public accommodation, and in doing so, they are sacrificing their commitment to the integrity uh, of God's Word and the truth of God's Word. And that, that just breaks my heart when I see that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, don't care if we have 30, 40 people. Um, I'm not looking for 1,000. I, I belong to a mega church one time. I don't ever want to belong to that again because— you know, being a part of a church is, is family. We want to build relationships with God's people. So bottom line is we, we are seeking to build a biblical, confessional, Presbyterian, Reformed church um, under the PCA uh, there in Pasco County. And uh, and so one of the things I want to communicate to all of your viewers we is— got, We got uh, one minute left here, so let's, let's share okay. that before we take a break. We have a meeting. If anyone in that area on July 17th at 5 p.m., we're going to meet at Tampa Bay Presbyterian Church, which is at 19911 Bruce B. Downs Boulevard, Tampa Bay. Uh, Again, that's Tampa Bay Presbyterian Church, July 17th at 5 p.m. If you have any interest in being a part of this church plan, I invite you to come to that meeting. Oh, Uh, great. Love to see you. And then kind of like uh, they can check everything out, get to meet you, get to meet Celia, and uh, maybe ask questions. So that's going to be a great opportunity. And we'll talk about that date again in just a moment. My guest that we've been enjoying so far today, Chuck Williams from North Carolina and soon to be returning home to the good free state of Florida, the Sunshine State with a new church plant. 
uh, in Pasco County. We'll be back with Chuck in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Back again for one more segment here with Chuck Williams. Chuck and Celia, longtime friends to Cindy and me, could not love this man more. We've gone through a lot of fun times, a lot of laughs. I can think of uh, nights where you and I played softball together. Holy cow, Chuck, we've done a lot of life together over the years, and now you're moving back to Florida. I can't wait. It's going to be great to have you this much closer to us. Uh, We were talking during the break about something that I want us to pick back up on right now. And that is uh, the question that you and Celia, uh, you mentioned your age. You're not that old. You're a lot younger than I, but you're in your 50s, right? And you're now looking at an adventure at this stage of your life. And a lot of people would say, what in the world are you thinking? Do you realize how hard it is to start a new church, to be a church planner? And, And, you know, there's a lot of motivation in Chuck that I believe we can all benefit from and all grow from. But one of the questions that you mentioned to me is the question that the Lord is bringing you to kind of count the cost about where the call to do this is coming from. Share that. Well, you know, uh, I did retire from the military and I, we, we, we got out a little earlier than I originally hoped because I wanted to go ahead and uh, work on my PhD in order to prepare for the next season of life. You know, I, I, my dad didn't come to faith until his uh, deathbed, but he's, he was one of the hardest working men I know. And, you know, to me, I don't have a retirement date. Well, actually I do. It's when they pull my boots off me for the last time, but, um, (laughs) you know, uh, the Lord in his wonderful, surprising providence uh, has demonstrated through our lives. Celia and I were married, like you said, and we, we, uh, the theme of our wedding was to be a, 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 on a great adventure throughout life. And it was actually her sister that said, wow, that sounds like uh, Moses and Zipporah. And, uh, and boy, that has just rung so true. I mean, you know, I, we were enjoying Florida life. And, um, and all of a sudden, after a 17-year break, the Lord called me back into the military at 42 years old. I mean, I thought I was smoking crack. I was just like, what? You know, this is crazy, you know. And lo and behold, we're back in the Army, starting to jump out of airplanes, being a paratrooper and doing all these things, going to war. I mean, just— Breaking your leg, doing so? What's that? Breaking your leg, doing so, right? Um, And uh, just— it was just a wonderful, incredible adventure. And so here we are now, you know, after COVID, coming back here— and I'm, I'm looking at, you know, let's get into an existing position at a church someplace or teaching. And the Lord brings a call to plant a church. I'm 59, and so he's a few years older, but it's like, okay, um, wow. You know, the church planting, you, you think it's like a young man's game, young woman's game. It's just like, um, you know, in your 20s or 30s, you know, not near 60, uh, you know. But, you know, Mike, it's it's just, it just, again, it surprises us that God's wonderful providence. Moses was called at 70 years old to go down to to Egypt and bring God's people back. You know, one of my favorite verses there is uh, when God finally, uh, or Moses finally brought the people, and he had to stay on the uh, Jordan side, today's Jordan side, on Mount Nebo. It said he was 120, and his vigor and strength were unabated. Hmm. And, you know, that's what I want to be. But, you know, even even uh, Abraham, same thing. 
you know, near 100 when God called him. And um, But one of the things that challenges us, Celia and I, is, you know, we, we had about 10 couples, uh, maybe 11 couples that were just like, when there was an initial group and, um, and you know, they're, they're, you know, hey, yes, we want to be a part of this and everything else. But, you know, as in all things, you know, there, there's a stage in which many people be like, okay, this is a great idea. I'd love to be a part of it. Um, and you maybe, you know, people fantasize about it. But then you get closer to the date when you have to launch. And it's like you see people drop off. So, like, right now, I think we have four couples. You know, we, we've had a drop off. But it really forced Celia and I to just once again go back to the Lord and to say, Lord, you know, that can be discouraging. And it really forced us to look and say, who is calling us? Right. Is the Lord calling us or is a group of people calling us? And we're still firm. The Lord is calling us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talked to a church planner. He, he, uh, he built a church of over 300 people, and they planted six churches themselves up in Ohio uh, many years ago. And he said, I started with three people. Um, wow. You know, and so it, it really is going to be, Lord, help me to go out there. When we get down there, when we make this leap of faith, we, we, we sell our house, we move down there, um, and help me to go find your sheep. Help me to go share the gospel, preach the gospel, uh, invite people to come, uh, you know, to, to be a part of a church that will not compromise God's, uh, the truth of God's word. Uh, that there is there is true meaningful growth and maturity uh, in our worship service, in our fellowship, building relationships with one another. Um, those are the things that I think people are absolutely missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, unfortunately, we're seeing a generation of, uh, and I, I know several whose, you know, who, whose parents kind of gave up on the church scene, and their children are growing up seeing that. And the next thing you know, they're asking, what, what, why, why was all this church necessary in the first place? I'm just going to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're, we are full of faith that the Lord is going to use us and others in, in our small little group of about eight, nine, ten people. I don't know who. Uh, well, we do know who as far as that. And we're just going to go out there and we're just going to say, Lord, use us. Help us to build your church because this is his church. This is his people. Uh, Chuck and Celia are secondary to this cause. Um, the one thing we are grateful for is that the PCA and the Southwest Florida Presbytery, they are absolutely committed to building or planning a church in Pasco County. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be Chuck and Celia leading it. But we are so grateful it is because what an incredible adventure the Lord has called us on. Um, after everything the Lord has brought us his wonderful, surprising providence already throughout our marriage and our lives, um, how can we not be full of faith for what comes next? I agree. You know, you talked about the great adventure. I remember your recessional at your wedding was probably the most unique that I had ever, ever seen (laughs) up until that time. Why don't you share what happened at that? Oh, okay. Um, well, as a recessional music, and uh, I did tell Celia what it was going to be, but she did not know I was going to have another piece of uh, a prop there at the wedding. 
a, well, a little we, wardrobe we, edition, right? <laughs> yeah, wardrobe edition. We um, we really believed that the Lord was calling us on a great adventure together in our marriage and for the rest of our lives, and uh, and so one of the things that uh, one of the movies that we watched, and this is back in the '80s, was Indiana Jones. Yes. And so, uh, as a surprise to everyone, and we had I think about over 250 people there. I was there. Um, it was beautiful. You were. Uh, Jim Britt did the service, and uh, and all of our friends there at Metro were there. Anyway, uh, at the end of the wedding, pronounced man and wife, all, you know, uh, you, the, the wedding is complete. I turn around, and our, our mutual friend, Mike Nash, he, he brought over this little bag. I told him to give it to me, and I told the people, and you can still hear this on the video, I said, there is only one way that you can ever start off such a great adventure. And... Um, and just as the sound guy cued the theme song for Indiana Jones, um, I pulled out of that bag Mike Nash gave me an Indi- a fedora, an Indiana Jones fedora hat, and I put it on my head. And uh, the whole place just erupted in screams and laughter. You could hear it on the tape. And I still have the picture when we came right outside that chapel in uh, Calvary Assembly there yes. in Orlando. Yes, indeed. Uh, someone pulled her a picture, and, you know, there we are. Uh, Celia, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen her countenance so beaming uh, with excitement and joy, and there I am with my Indiana Jones fedora on. That was a moment. Um, it, it, it was a moment, and uh, got, got to make a statement in one way or the other, but um, Celia, Celia was okay with it, but she was like, but you're not going to have the whip. Well, you know, Chuck, I I think about that. I think about the great adventure that you're on. I think of Stephen Curtis Chapman's song, uh, Saddle Up Your Horses. We've got a trail to blaze. I mean, that's really what I believe could be the theme song for really every believer should be the theme song for every a staunch believer in Christ who wants their lives to make a, who we want to make a difference. We we want to do something for the Lord. And, you know, your your motivation, I think this question is a good question that we should all be asking ourselves. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I sitting in my church because God's, am I doing what God's called me to do while I'm sitting in my church? Am I here? Am I, is my uh, ear, are my ears hearing the voice of God? That's what we need to be asking ourselves right now. And if not, then we need to get get ponied up, get saddled up and get on that horse and ride that adventure out because we're not called just to be fence straddlers. We're called to be involved, to be on, on the team in the church. That's what we should be That's doing. Right. right? Uh, we, no Christian should be a pew sitter. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we are looking for people to seek to invest their gifts and talents that the Lord has given them into the growth of the church and the growth for their fellow Christians. You know, Mike, one of the one of the most um, influential things for me uh, was whenever I first went to Iraq. Um, on my base in southern Iraq, and it was a desert, was the ancient city of Ur. Mm. And some of your Bible scholars out there will know. Yeah. Uh, who came from Ur? Abraham. It was yeah. Abraham. And they had actually, in the 90s, partially reconstructed the, his house. But it wasn't his house. It was Terror, his father's house. Yes. Um, 
I remember walking through the rooms, and I'm thinking, this is where Abraham came from 4,000 years ago. Imagine a little Abraham running through here, being chased by his mother, getting a spanking, whatever. Um, but I'm thinking it was here that God called with his father, and uh, his one brother, Haran, had died. Uh, so it was Nahor, Abraham, their family, that God called to go to the promised land. And, you know, they went to Syria, and that's where God actually spoke to Abraham um, and gave him the vision that he was going to use him. But here the guy was 90 year over 90, 99 years old, and he was still obedient to God's voice. Mm. Uh, Mike, I, I want to I want to be that. I, I just it was really I, I gave tours through that whole ancient city about two to three times a week. I, I was a, one of the main chaplains there on that base, and it was just such an honor and a privilege just to see history, biblical history, uh, right there. So, um, you know, I always want to keep before us that we we always need to listen to the Lord. He you know, he, he might come in surprising ways, and he has done for us that in the same way. But uh, are we ready? Are we obedient to follow him wherever he may call? And, um, you know, we hope that this will be the the, the, the last place we'll go. But we don't know that. Right. You know, we, we never know. The Lord. We belong to the Lord. Yeah. This is his kingdom. And so, you know, Mike, I don't care if we're only pastors of this church three to five years or for the next 20. Um, I, I I am looking forward to all that the Lord has uh, planned for us, but also all the people in Pasco County who have no idea what the Lord has already planned for them. Right. Give us that uh, date and the address again for that uh, kind of investigative sure. meeting. We're going to be uh, have a, a kind of like our final meeting, and we are inviting everyone listening to this. If you are interested and you want to be a part of this church plan, or even considering being a part of this church plan, there's an interest. We are going to meet on July 17th at 5 p.m. at Tampa Bay Presbyterian Church. The address is 19911 Bruce B. Downs Boulevard, Tampa Bay, Florida. Um, again, July 17th, 5 p.m., Tampa Bay, Florida, or Tampa Bay Presbyterian Church. I, I'll also go ahead and uh, my phone number, if people want to go ahead and call, uh, that would be fine. It's 910-710-4713. Again, 910-710-4713. Uh, feel free to give me a call. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you and uh, just for people to continue to pray, where do you want me, Lord? Do you want me to part of church plan? Do you want me to part of any other church? Mm -hmm. um, uh, God God is going to start moving in a big way. I am full faith of it in, uh, in Pasco County, and we want to be a part of that. Well, we'll be excited to check back in with you in, in a while and hear more about it. Chuck Williams, my guest today. Thank you, Chuck. God bless you, friends, for being with us as well. And we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.